Does the New Orleans Saints win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers change the offseason changes that we believe need to be made in the Big Easy? We got all that and a little bit of land yap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, credential media member covering the New Orleans Saints as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. And on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down some of the things that we liked, that we didn't like, and much more from Sunday's win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we're going to get to the things that we didn't like, including how the New Orleans Saints continuously surrender plays, big plays late. We're going to take a look at some of the things that we did like, including some protection up front, maybe responding a little bit to some adversity, particularly on the defensive side. But to kick us all off, what I want to discuss is, does a New Orleans Saints win in Tampa Bay change the offseason changes that we expect to be made over the course of the postseason or after the season is concluded. We're going to be breaking all of that down here today. Appreciate you very much for being an everyday or for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at PrizePix. Visit prizepix.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match of $100. Tell you more about them here in a little bit. Yes, the New Orleans Saints got a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a huge win, a big win that they needed. Yes, the New Orleans Saints offense looked improved in the first half, but no, it doesn't change the fact that the New Orleans Saints need to make a change at offensive coordinator and at play caller over the course of this offseason. Look, everyone is kind of in concert here that the Saints very likely will be making a change in trying to update their offensive system. And while things looked pretty good in the first half of that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, moving the pocket, getting Derek Carr out, you know, kind of doing the sprint out to that stuff, a lot more Taysom Hill, a lot more Alvin Kamara, all those things. While those things are nice, there wasn't a convincing enough performance for 60 minutes to make you go, yeah, the New Orleans Saints can win like this in 2024 up against a much, much uh, more challenging schedule than they had in both 2023 and 2022. I think that the conservative nature of the New Orleans Saints in the second half shows you exactly why it is that the New Orleans Saints need to make a change over on the offensive side of the football when it comes to play calling in particular. This team simply lacks a killer instinct in terms of its ability to be able to put games away. You go into the first half, with Derek Carr completing 81% of his passes, throwing for 202 yards and two touchdowns, and he finishes the game with 197 yards and still just two touchdowns and a lower completion rating. And it's not because Derek Carr played poorly. Derek Carr played very, very well against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In fact, he had one throw that Juwan Johnson could have been able to catch off that back shoulder throw that was excellent placement. Just goes to show you a little bit of that chemistry coming together for both Derek and Juwan, as well as, of course, the rest of the receivers around the room and and, and the offense and kind of how that's all starting to gel, good placement, all these other things. But even outside of that, 
continuous, you know, runs on second down and 10 after an incomplete pass on first down, um, you know, conservative play calling, um, you know, uh, going with Taysom Hill under center and hoping that that's going to draw the Bucks off sides on a third and short. That's not going to work. No one believes that Taysom Hill's taking a snap under center. You know what I mean? It would have been his first ever or first all season had he done that. Uh, all of these little things just go to show you that there's, there's a little bit of creativity there, but there's still the panic button. And there's still these sort of retreat regress back into sort of the conservative nature of a Pete Carmichael. And I think that the New Orleans Saints need to rid themselves of that. And they need to move away from the Sean Payton system that's not Sean Payton's system anymore and move into a new offensive system. So yes, the New Orleans Saints got a win up against the um up against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the offense looked okay and better. I'll say, I'll give credit where credit's due in the first half, but I think that that second half and the team's sort of regression to being conservative again is a reflection of why the Saints need to be able to make that change over the course of the offseason. And that this game, though it's a win in a big moment when they really, really needed it, they keep their playoff hopes alive, all those other things. I'm not taking away from any of that, but still some things in there that are pretty concerning if you're a New Orleans Saints fan and as somebody that's watching the New Orleans Saints with the intention of having a critical eye, right? And and you're looking at all that going, okay, well, here's an opportunity for maybe somebody to be able to hold on to their job, all these other things. That was not the performance that's going to get that done. And it's too late by the time you get to the Atlanta Falcons at home, especially considering the dumpster fire that the Atlanta Falcons have been here recently, who just gave up a ton of points to the Chicago Bears, for instance. So, even at that point, if there's more offensive success, how much of it is the offensive success versus the Falcons' success? And I don't think that any good, you know, displays in the playoffs should change anyone's mind either. We can't get all the way down to week 17, week 18, and in playoff, you know, wild card round, and then say, oh, okay, great, everything's better. All of a sudden, what about the previous 16 games that precede all of that, right? Or the previous 15 games that precede all of that? I think that that has to be in- entirely taken into context. And 2022 as well, we still have to take into context also. Uh, Other offseason changes that we already knew weren't going to happen remain not going to happen, if that makes sense. Nothing changes in terms of Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. Those are the guys going into 2024. Dennis Allen will have a third year here in New Orleans. I'm not reporting that. I'm just telling you that like it's clear uh, that that's going to happen. Derek Carr, as everyone should have expected, will be the quarterback in 2024. I think that those are things that were pretty solid going into this game, but then became a little bit more solidified by the time that the game is out, especially considering that by all intents and purposes, it was Dennis Allen's defense that put the game away. Yes, I know big plays late caused some confusion maybe in that conversation, but it was still this defense that put this game away late and set the tone early, kept the bucks off the board consistently, managed some adversity, which we're going to break down here in a little bit when we get to what we liked from this weekend's game and this weekend's win. But alt- And ultimately, I think that that ends up continuing to put, let's say, you know, another sort of you know, arrow in the coffer of um, uh, of Dennis Allen. And I think the other thing too that like has always kind of gone Dennis Allen's way in all of this is that if the New Orleans Saints would have fired Dennis Allen after the season, it would have made him the shortest tenured New Orleans Saints head coach in history. Um, somebody else got two years and four games, I believe. And so him just getting two years and then straight up moved on from always felt unlikely in the first place. But I think that this is one of those offseason changes that we knew wasn't going to happen. That's now solidified that it's not going to happen. Same thing when it 
comes to Derek Carr at quarterback. But a change in the offensive system, giving Dennis Allen and Derek Carr an opportunity going in with a better offense and with a better offensive play caller, I do think should be near the top of the New Orleans Saints priority list, although offensive line is going to be a complete mess over the course of this offseason, and the Saints are going to have to manage that too. But but offensive coordinator will precede all that, so that still becomes top priority. So um, so we'll see uh, exactly which way the Saints do go with this, but I do still think that that's a change that needs to be made. Don't expect that to be a Black Monday change, though. I will say that. Don't expect that change to be made right after the season's over. Expect that news to come a month, two months away from the season. There's less of a rush on the offensive coordinator search than there is a rush on the head coach search. And a lot of the offensive or a lot of the new head coaches going into this year are going to be offensive play callers. So their offensive coordinators, so that their offensive coordinator pool is going to be slimmer because OCs are going to, that call plays are going to want to go somewhere that they can call plays, not under an offensive coach that's going to call plays for them, right? And so New Orleans will be one of those places that will have a job opening with a defensive head coach, meaning that the offensive coordinator will call plays. So the Saints would become a desirable opportunity for somebody that is already a play caller or is developing into a play caller and allows the New Orleans Saints to get in a year early on a potential offensive head coach option if the New Orleans Saints end up moving on from Dennis Allen after 2024. We'll have to see how that season goes. And, you know, you expect improvement there if the offensive system improves, but it does allow them to get in a little bit early on a young guy, which is important in today's NFL. Coming up next, let's take a look at what it is that the New Orleans Saints did well, including managing the pressure packages that the Buccaneers sent and responding to the imperfect over on the defensive side and what the offense could learn from it. We got all that. Coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most fun way to play daily fantasy sports, whether you're looking at the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, uh, hockey. Uh, they've got a bunch of different stuff for you to check out, and I highly, highly recommend it because it's not daily fantasy sports like you're used to. It's much, much better. No mystery lineups, no small percentage cut from a larger prize pie or anything like that. It's you and your knowledge versus the house. Prize Picks will set you up with a bunch of different projections for players that are playing in that game. You just choose whether or not that team or that player is going to come out at more or less than that projection. Derek Carr, 325 and a half passing yards against the Atlanta Falcons, more or less. 225 passing yards, more or less. It's that simple. That's all you got to do. You get those right. You can up to 25 times your entry. So go and check them out today at prizepicks.com. It's just locked on NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. It's a first deposit match up to $100. Uh, prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or promo code locked on NFL. Prizepicks, daily fantasy, made easy. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints with what we liked from the New Orleans Saints victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Appreciate you for being an everydayer and making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out that Locked on Sports Today 24-7 national stream over at a national sports stream. It's the first ever of its kind on YouTube to be a part of history by subscribing to Locked on Sports Today today. So with the New Orleans Saints and looking back at their sort of you know, their their win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to look at the things that we liked from this game. Now, there are things that we liked that we've already discussed. Derek Carr had a nice game. Um, you know, Juwan Johnson kind of had his his best game of the season. The Saints getting tight ends involved. Patch, um, uh, Adam Prentice uh, on a fullback draw, picking up a clutch first down down the stretch, all those things. 
which by the way, like that's one of those play calls that I love and hate at the same time. I love it when it works. I hate it when it works because later on down the line, you're going to try it again because it worked once and you're going to try it in a, in a worse situation and it's not going to work. And that's one of those things that just kind of gives offensive coordinators and play callers like a little bit too much confidence in a way. And so I get a little bit worried when I see play calls like that. But hey, Adam Prentice did his thing uh, in that one. And he was holding on to that football for dear life because he remembers what happened on the one yard line in New Orleans uh, before the end of the first half after a clutch interception by Isaac Adam. So at least we didn't see a replay of that. But let's get into some of the other stuff that we haven't fully gotten to dive into yet uh, that we did like from this New Orleans Saints win. Uh, first of which is that I believe that the Saints defense responded really well in imperfect situations. If you caught the live reaction show yesterday, if not, don't worry about it. You can go back and catch it. No big deal. Um, one of the things that I talked about was that where are my, my concerns around the offense come in beyond protection is that it's sort of unable to manage adversity uh, from time to time. And, and a lot of this comes down to play calling, offensive schemes, stuff like that, kind of a regression into discomfort in a way. Um, and I think we saw that in the second half, that when things aren't going perfectly, then the offense has trouble running. So for the offense is catching rhythm and is doing well and things like that, then it's because the offense is getting everything perfectly. And that is not always going to be the case. That's not sustainable. Things aren't going to always happen perfectly around you. Here are a couple of examples of over on the defensive side of how that happens and how the defense responded to it and how the and and, and that will give you a clip to, to sort of what you'd like to see from the offense. Uh, let's go back to Alante Taylor's interception. Before Alante Taylor's interception, on that drive, the Saints were having a lot of trouble getting off the field on third down. They had a third and nine uh, sack on Baker Mayfield that was called a face mask by a uh, personal foul face mask by Brian Brzee that ended up being an automatic first down. Um, you had another third and nine where uh, uh, Paulson Adiba kind of slipped out of a break in coverage with Mike Evans, who did not score a touchdown in this game. Uh, and so Mike Evans gets a big 20-something yard catch over the middle of the field. So that converts another third and nine. Then they get to a third and 15 that the Saints technically get off the field for, but a Paulson Adiba illegal contact penalty is called before the throw, which was a terrible call, and then ends up extending the drive again. So then a couple of plays later, Alante Taylor gets this interception deep downfield, which was huge. And so you have the interception coming off the heels of not being able to get off the field on third and long on three different occasions on the same drive. So effectively, Alante Taylor called game. He was like, okay, we're done here. This drive is over. I'm finishing this one. And so that was a part of, you know, we talked to him after the game and he was excited to get his first interception, but he was more excited about it sort of happening in this, as he called it, elite moment and in this elite way. So that was really, really great. Another example of that came when the run game was getting going on a drive where you know, Rashad White was finally finding holes and was cutting through and was able to kind of pick up some of these his his bigger uh, runs, bigger gains and stuff like that after just a 44-yard total offense first half by the Bucs. Um, the second, you know, in the second half, as they started to come back, you saw the run game start to get, uh, a lot of people will say percolating, percolating, but I don't think that that's actually the right phrase for it, but, um, but got it going. And Jonathan Abram gets behind and strips the ball. Demario Davis picks it up and he tries to, I mean, he was trying to get a touchdown. He really wanted that touchdown. You saw him run it, rumbling, bumbling, stumbling like a running back out there. And so again, able to manage adversity. So just some things that I think you'll look at over on the defensive side that are a credit to Dennis Allen, that are a credit to the New Orleans Saints defensive staff that you'd like to see over in the offense as well. The ability to remain composed and poised when things are going imperfectly. So really, really good stuff there. Uh, speaking of defensive players that played well, here's a guy that we missed in the live 
of reaction. Pete Werner, really, really solid game, led the team in tackles, uh, was kind of the guy that set the tone early on in the run game and as a tackler early in the game, much like Demario Davis weeks ago against the Giants did. Um, he was, is probably going to get some flack for the Chris Godwin touchdown, but he wasn't supposed to be in coverage in that situation. Like that was not his guy that was busted coverage downfield. That happens when you're shuffling around safeties and things like that. And so Pete Werner even being in the camera shot of that play is remarkable because that wasn't, he had nothing to do with that play, but he hustled and tried to get it done. So altogether great effort stuff from Pete Werner, but also really, really solid play from Pete Werner, including tackles for a loss, things like that. Uh, and then finally, Another thing that we liked in this game, not the last thing, but another thing, um, the Saints managed the Bucks' pressure packages really, really well. The Bucks blitzed on 41% of Derek Carr's first half dropbacks. That's a humongous amount um, and barely got through at all. The Saints did a really good job managing all of those pressure packages, especially considering that they also had to change starting right tackle at one point after an early drive. Remember, that also happened in the first half, Landon Young going down with his injury that Dennis Allen hinted was a pretty significant knee injury, the same knee injury that bothered him during training camp, kept him away from the team for quite a while, or not away from the team, but off the field for quite a while. Cam Irving stepping in, performed well. You, you didn't really see a big drop-off at all in terms of the guy that was prepared all week to go in versus the guy that was preparing in case he had to go in. Those are two different qualities of preparation, but Cam Irving did incredibly well there. Uh, Andrews Pete continues to make himself some money as well by uh, having uh, another good game at left tackle against a good pass rush and a good defensive line. And so he's going to be really interesting to watch over the course of the offseason. I, I think that the Saints are going to effectively have to make a choice between do they want to keep James Hurst around, who's got void years after this year, or find a way to keep um, uh, Andrews Pete around. And I think it's going to be much tougher to keep Andrews Pete around because he's making himself some money uh, when it comes to him playing at left tackle now and playing well at left tackle. The position that he played uh, when he was drafted, by the way, yet another position change that the Saints are finding a way to correct uh, late here in the contract. Shout out Zach Bond slash Zach Bond. Uh, and then finally, just just look, there's going to be lots of questions to answer when the season's out when it comes to, um, to the Saints um, defensive line in terms of, you know, who's gone, who's healthy, who's not healthy, who's back, who's not back, all those other things. But with all the shuffling that's going, that went on um, throughout this week, and that has gone on over the course of the past three weeks, uh, really cool to see the Saints be able to pull that together uh, here in Sunday's win and do what they needed to do against a very aggressive Todd Bowles defense. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at what we didn't like from this weekend's win, including Big plays being given up late by that New Orleans Saints defense yet again. What's going on there? We're going to break it down as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and our official sports betting partners here on the Locked on Podcast Network. The New Orleans Saints were two and a half point underdogs going into Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road, road dogs, and they come out as 10 point victors. So if you chose the New Orleans Saints to win that game, you came out on the right side of that bet. You can also check out, though, if you haven't been a part of FanDuel and you haven't used FanDuel before, right now is a great time to get involved. Because just like that, not only will you win 
the odds that you bet on, but you can also, as a new customer, get up to $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You don't even have to win that bet anymore. Now all you have to do is place the bet and 150 bucks go your way in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super safe, super easy, and super easy to use. There's live same game parlays. Uh, you can find bets in the new Explore tab as they've revamped the app a bit as well. Parlays are taken care of in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find the most popular parlays and much more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Today, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let's get it, Huda Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a quick look now at the things that we didn't necessarily like in this New Orleans Saints win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, headlined by big plays being given up late over on the defensive side. Make sure you come back in tomorrow's episode. We're going to do a deeper dive of this game, maybe give you some Alvin Kamara updates. We talked with Dennis Allen later on today, so you'll get a few more of those uh, kind of updates and all on Tuesday. So we'll have that coming up for you on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Saints. Uh, let's take a look at what it is that we didn't like from the Saints game. And I, and I actually have one other thing that I like that I'll save for the end that I'll, I'll get through quickly, uh, but that I just didn't have time to get in here a moment ago. So, But let's focus on what we didn't like first, starting with more big plays being surrendered late. The New Orleans Saints defense played all in all a, a solid game in, in this one. The biggest thing though is that you saw three big plays given up late. The 22-yard-ish touchdown to, uh, to Trey Palmer. Um, that one was with Alonzo. Taylor in coverage. You saw a big 54-yard catch by Trey Palmer that ended up in the self-fumble, so it worked out, but still got behind the defense, and you can't let players get behind the defense in situations where you're playing over the top, and you're kind of playing this, you know, whether you're playing, um, uh, what do you call it, like prevent shells and things like that, you're not trying to allow these guys to get behind you, but we saw it on two different occasions there with Trey Palmer. And then the 40-plus yard touchdown grab by Chris Godwin on busted coverage ended up getting behind. Again, Pete Werner giving chase there, but not really Pete Werner's responsibility to even be remotely in coverage on Chris Godwin in that situation. He was covering up and trying to you know hustle through somebody else's error. So we'll have to see. I've got the film for it. I just need to kind of go through. So we'll, we'll discuss a little bit more about what happened specifically on that play tomorrow and then... You know, all the subtext folks, all of our insiders are going to get, you know, film breakdown of those plays as well as we take a look at that. And if you're interested in becoming a Locked on Saints insider, free for 14 days, come and try it out. Just text Hudat to 504-285-7473. Get in on our exclusive Q&As, uh, what will be our exclusive live streams here coming up soon as the season ends. And then, of course, all of the news, notes, rumors, everything like that that I send out to everybody, uh, including my own inside information and film studies. Make sure you check that out. So those were three big plays that we saw given up late in in this game, but it follows the trend of the Saints defense kind of letting up a little bit late in game. So just as much as we've been critical of the Saints offense for not necessarily keeping the foot on the gas, the Saints defense has had some troubles, particularly in situations where they're nursing or protecting leads, not being able to fully keep those big plays, those big explosive moments that could allow teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like the Green Bay Packers months ago, and so on to you know close that gap or potentially overtake that gap like we saw earlier on this season in a couple of occasions. So I think that's something to just kind of watch out for. We asked 
asked, you know, Dennis Allen was asked about it after the game. He was very not pleased about them. You could tell and so not, not the question. He was fine with the question, but very not pleased about the plays themselves. You can kind of tell in his response that those were annoying plays for him because the principle here is simply keep the ball in front of you. So why is it that these guys are getting over the top and over the the backs of the defenses. So something to look out for there, something to watch. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of it has something to do with changing at safety and, and all these other things. Like those things are, are absolutely possible. Uh, but that's going to be a big sort of emphasis to watch for the defensive side of the football going up against Atlanta. And then especially if the Saints actually make the playoffs, because they're going to be going up against good offenses, good teams. And if they're not able to keep those points off the board late, that could be the difference between a win and a loss, not a win and a win like it was against Tampa. Uh, the other thing that I I saw that we didn't necessarily like in this game was, again, that offense getting more conservative in the second half. We kind of broke this down in yesterday's episode, the live reaction, but it's one of those ones that I wanted to come back to. Um, it, it sort of pairs in the wrong way, complementary to the Saints' giving up big plays over the defensive side late, right? So if your offense goes conservative in the second half, your defense goes a little bit softer in the coverage side in the second half and ends up giving up some of those big plays, doing the thing that it's designed not to do and allowing those players to get behind them. That's not a good blend. It's complementary in the wrong way, right? Your offense gets to working against your defense. Your defense gets to working at your offense in that sort of context. And so that to me is a big one that you're watching and going, okay, that's got to be something that's got to get cleaned up moving forward. So the the conservative nature of the offense is also something that I don't think is a it gets fixed type of a thing so far this season. To me, that feels like an offensive play calling personality thing, right? That's a that's just that not necessarily a strategy thing, but a little bit of that panic that we've talked about in the past. And so I would I would watch out for that um paired with the sort of defensive softness. If the defensive, and when I talk about softness, I'm like off coverage, soft coverage, things like that. And so if the defense like clamps down on that, then all of a sudden the conservative nature of the offense actually ends up benefiting it, right? Because you're running time off the clock, you're doing all those things. But if the defense is also surrendering points late, then those two things don't go super well together. And just sort of the lack of killer instinct over on the offensive side. You know, I mean, I think that Watching a game to where you're up 20, you're up 20 points, and then you get the opportunity to kick a field goal or score a touchdown. You want the touchdown more than you want the field goal. It's nice to go up 23 or potentially move yourself into a situation to where you keep a gap of, you know, 17 versus keeping a gap of 20 or whatever. Um, those two things are effectively the same, right? 21 points will will get the other team there. But if you're able to come in and take the lead by 24 you know, then all of a sudden it's it's four scores as opposed to three and things like that. So you want the seven points, you know, it's just math at that point. And so, oh my gosh, I just realized that in this segment, I'm going to be on video wearing a suit and a tie. I had to stop recording, go and do a WWL thing and then come back to finish recording. So that's why my outfit's different. For anybody on the audio side, you would have never known, but I have to address this over on the, on the video side. I'm so sorry. So anyway, I'm looking fly, whatever. It's all good. So the the next piece to to all of that is, you know, where do you look to kind of cover up some of that killer instinct? Because, you know, in a in a Drew Brees day, you know, in a Sean Payton day, that that in the second half, you you just continue to run up the score. Like you're you're trying to put more points on the board, all those other things. Um you didn't necessarily see that from this New Orleans Saints offense. And Derek Carr has that in him, right? This is the guy that's got, you know, amongst some of the, the most fourth quarter comebacks, some of the most uh, game-winning drives. Like the killer instinct is there. You just need that 
personification, that personality on every element of the offense, play calling, aggressiveness, uh, uh, you know, scheme and quarterback and players, right? Personnel, we'll call it all, all together. So I do think that that's something that's also one of those things that we kind of look at and go, ah, man, not a big fan of seeing, you know, sort of those, uh, those limitations. And then um, to wrap us up, I want to go back to one other thing that I liked that I wanted to make sure that I pointed out. Lou Headley, the punter for the New Orleans Saints, I thought did a very good job in this game. There's been a lot of question marks about how it is that he punts and his style and all these other things. I think we're starting to kind of see it. And look, Dennis Allen, Darren Rizzi, they were really clear about this at the beginning of the season that the way that the punts are going to look in New Orleans this year with Lou Headley is going to be very, very different, but there's an intentionality behind it. And there's doesn't feel like there's been a lot of intentionality around things this season on a consistent basis, but this absolutely was one of those things. Um, so him now having 30 punts inside the 20, which ties the franchise record with Thomas Morstead with a game to go. So Thomas Morstead played 16 games in New Orleans. Lou Headley will probably benefit from playing 20, uh, playing uh, 17 games in New Orleans in a regular season, but still really cool to see him tie that franchise record in the span of 16 games. And then finally, Blake Groupie, perfect again on the day, including hitting some of those ones within the 40-yard range where you know he's had some struggles uh, early on this season. So really, really good to see from the special team side of that, uh, Lou Headley and flipping field position, all those things, and then Blake Groupie by continuing to put points on the board, although you would have liked some of those points to have instead been touchdowns. That gets us back to that sort of conservative nature of the New Orleans Saints offense in the second half. So those are the things that we liked. Those are the things that we didn't like and why. Things don't really change here for the New Orleans Saints in terms of what we expected for offseason changes based on this win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for better or for worse for some. It's coming up tomorrow. Don't forget, we're going to be diving in a little bit deeper on this win, taking a look at more of the analytics, taking a look at more of the film, things like that. So we'll have all that coming up for you in tomorrow's Tuesday episode of Locked on Saints. I appreciate you very much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go and check out Locked on Pels. Huge win against the Los Angeles Lakers last night. And then, of course, Locked on LSU, the Rely Quest Bowl against Wisconsin goes down today. Go and get your preview and recap with Caroline Fenton over at Locked on LSU. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.